Mums Group, a podcast for Christian mums navigating the joyful complexities of motherhood. My name's Ali Barnes, and I have a son called Banjo who is obsessed with his toolkit. He wants to take it upstairs, downstairs, to dinner, daycare, and in the shower. It's super cute, but I should mention his grandma bought him real tools, not plastic ones. So the floorboards are taking a real beating from hammer time at the moment. But uh, anyway, Today, we're going to talk about traveling with kiddos. I am an avid traveler. My favorite memories are all from overseas holidays. It's the best quality time. And I really, really like Holiday Alley. She's just way more fun. And I think my hubby prefers her too. But to me, traveling with newborns or toddlers under two is anxiety inducing. And although it's not a particularly relevant topic right now in light of COVID-19, one day normal life will resume and you may embark on a big adventure. So I've decided to do this episode and I've asked my school friends to share their experiences of traveling with their little ones and any tips and tricks for a smooth trip. Hi, I'm Lynn. I'm married to Adi and we have a little boy, Joey. He's two and a bit years old. Um, His favorite catchphrase at the moment is, mummy, don't say no, say yes. (laughs) He's a clever cookie. (laughs) Is is it working on you? Sometimes it works. It depends how worn down from the day I am. Hi, I'm Rachel Young. I'm married to Matt. We've got two little ones, um, Sammy, who's about to turn three, and Imogen, who's almost five months old. Sammy is pretty much an astronaut in training at the moment. He is obsessed with all things space, and I think he knows more about the solar system than I do. (laughs) And Imi, she's just started rolling. She's on the move. All right. Ray, tell me about the first trip you took with Sammy. And, like, what did you love about it? So before we had kids, my husband and I, we've always been the sort of adventure type. So we love the outdoors, we love hiking and camping, all that stuff. Um, and so once we fell pregnant, we knew that we wanted our kids to love and experience all those sorts of things that we really liked, including travel. Um, we actually took Sammy camping when he was four months old and he actually slept through the night for the first time when we were camping. So we're like, this kid's just born to be outside. All right. You hear that? Every, <laughs> so, everyone uh, who's struggling with sleep right now, you know what to do. Yeah, totally. Just pitch a tent in the backyard and you'll be fine. But yeah, we had the idea of going to Europe when I was pregnant because um, we have lots of family over there. My dad lives in France and uh, my granny is in England and we've got um, brother and sister-in-law in Amsterdam. So we sort of knew that we wanted to take him over in that first year and Funny enough, we actually ended up booking the trip when Sam was just a week old. And I remember Matt walking through the door and he just looks at me and goes, I booked the trip (laughs) and there's me. I'll never forget. I'm like holding this brand new baby and I have no idea what I'm doing. And I've got bags under my eyes and I've just like got leaking breasts. And I'm like, what have we just done? (laughs) But... I think we knew in the back of our minds that like, if we didn't book it now, I think we'd just keep coming up with excuses as he got older and as things probably got a bit harder. And they always say so, that it's easier to travel whilst they're little, right? I, I, had, I had heard that as well. And I, and I remember people saying like first six months, that's, that's the time to go. So we actually, yeah, we ended up taking Sammy when he was five months old. So a week in England, a week in Amsterdam and a week in Switzerland, just traveling around the three of us. 
And I think what I loved about it was it was the first time that Matt really got to spend quality time with Sammy. Like he only got a week off work when he was born. So that that time together was just so special and it just brought him and Sammy closer, but it, I think it just brought all the three of us closer. Yeah, and it was just something that's going to really bookmark that time in our lives when we had a, a newborn baby and yeah, it was it was really it was really great. And he looked really cute in all the photos in his little beanie and the Swiss Alps in the background. Part, like part of me wanted to go in winter just so I could buy him a really cute beanie. <laughs> all right, Lynn, where did you go? And just generally, was it a good experience? So our first experience going overseas uh, with Joey was to Singapore. I actually just went with my mum because um, my husband, RD, had to do a kind of 10 days of travel for work. So my mum was going to go visit my grandparents in Singapore and she said, why don't you come with me? So I thought, ah, my mum's a pretty hardy person. So I was like, if I'm going to have a helper other than my husband, my mum's a pretty good person to have. I really loved that Joey got to meet my grandparents and meet some of my family who live in Singapore, um, but also just be in a new environment, eat different food, be in a different climate. Uh, the time difference is not too tricky from Sydney to Singapore so that wasn't a huge barrier but um yeah I think just the exposure to a new place and seeing how he responded to that Mm. he was always a really social baby he's still really extroverted so he just loved being exposed to new things and meeting new people but also for us as mums like I haven't done an overseas trip with Banjo yet but when he was five months we went to Tasmania And I didn't realize I was starting to go a bit stir crazy at home until I had that big adventure. And, oh, it was just a really good breather for me having those new places, new experiences too. Hmm, It's the biggest rut breaker. Yeah. All right. But to get to these new places, particularly overseas, you have to fly. (laughs) Let's start there. What are your tips and tricks, particularly for long haul flights, not just to Melbourne and Brisbane? I think Matt and I we had counted that before Sammy turned two, he had been on 32 plane trips. So (laughs) um, I think like we've learned quite a bit about flying and we've definitely learned the hard way. Like we've made a lot of mistakes and we've had some absolute shockers. Definitely are not experts still. And there's still so much to learn in this, you know, well, and things depends- that are out of your control. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the day and the mood of your child as well. But okay, so w- what were some of the mistakes that you made then? Don't forget their, their lovey, their teddy. So <laughs> we were in the Philippines <laughs> and we left Sam's teddy on the bed in the hotel room and we did not have a backup. And that flight, I want to erase it from my memory. Like he he screamed the whole way because he was overtired. He wouldn't sleep without it. And the whole entire plane hated us pretty much. So that was not fun. So (laughs) definitely take as much as you can on the plane. That is kind of homey and reminds them of home. It just settles them, you know, things like, as I said, the teddy, things like a sleep bag that they're familiar with, Mm. blankets or sheets that smell like home and remind them of home, toys that they love, books that they love, just all those things that, you can bring onto the plane and it kind of creates an environment that to them it's it's not so foreign and scary, but there's things that they can find comfort in that remind them of home. We find that helpful. Lynn, what worked for you guys? 
I think my number one tip is just set your expectations. I think like in parenthood, we talk about like days when we feel like, yeah, we're in a swing of it. We're acing it. This is going really well. And then other times and seasons when you just feel like you're in survival mode and you're just doing what you need to do to get by. And I think when you're traveling overseas on a long haul flight, you just have to think this is not the day that we're going to hit all the home runs and ace things. Today is the day that we're in survival mode and we're just going to do what we need to get through. And if that means, you know, bribing with snacks or (laughs) giving him the treat that he's never allowed to have at home or whatever it is, just do those things. For you, it's stressful because you're conscious of all that could happen and could go wrong. And I think our kids feed off that as well. But also it's like new environment, new people, totally foreign experiences for them and they're trying to cope with all that as well so yeah I think set your expectations that it's not necessarily going to be smooth sailing and I just think if you have low expectations you can always be pleasantly surprised but if you go in thinking I've ticked all the boxes Mm. this is just going to go really smoothly you're bound to be disappointed (laughs) our mantra has always been there's basically no rules on planes like (laughs) just do what you need to do to get through it like keep them happy keep them occupied don't freak out if they miss a nap have heaps of screen time if they need to like just do anything to get your child to sleep put them on the boob feed them to sleep whatever it's better to have a baby who's slept a little bit even if it's just catnapping um than have a super overtired screaming baby you know you just got to get through it and do what you need to do to survive and it's just one day and I remember like when I was in labor and I remember someone saying to me like labor is scary and it's hard but it's just one day maybe two days but <laughs> if you're unlucky. you know it will end and you'll get through it and you'll get to the other side and you're going to be in a new place and you're going to have a holiday and it's exciting so just keep that kind of at the forefront of your mind so talking about sleep did you have the bassinet pre-booked and does that cost extra? Like I've heard if they're also booked, you can use like a spare seat next to you um, and kind of turn that into a makeshift bed. Like how did you get him to sleep or was he just on you? So kids under two can fly for free, um, but they have to be on your lap or in the bassinet. You can book them in a seat, but you just have to pay for that ticket. Um, so we, when he was five months, we just popped him in the bassinet or he was on our lap and we were able to pre-book a row with a bassinet. I think most international airlines now you can just have that. There is a weight limit, but I think like most kids under six months would be fine unless you have an abnormally large baby. So just check that. Um, But Sammy did pretty well in the bassinet. Like he slept, he slept well. I think just the natural like white noise of the plane and the moving was just like really soothing for him. And we had one of those cozy go I think they used to be called plane pals but now they're called cozy goes it's like a thing that you can put over the plane bassinet that basically just blacks it out it takes away all the lights and the stimulation that you kind of get on a plane Uh, and it just gives them that kind of cocoon like environment and that was amazing and that helped so much I helped him sleep so yeah I highly recommend getting one of those if you're doing a long-haul flight what about for you Lynn how did Joey go So we actually did a domestic test run flight with him when he was um, maybe six months old. So we went to Tassie as well with my family just to test out what it was like having a little one on your lap and that kind of thing. So he by six months was too heavy for the bassinet. So we just had him on our lap 
on the two-hour flight to Tassie and learned a lot just about what to bring on the plane and how to keep them occupied. Um, but when we went to Singapore, we tossed up whether to just pay the extra for a seat for him so that we had a bit more space. And what we actually ended up doing was flying in premium economy. So instead of getting three seats in economy, it worked out cheaper to just get a seat for my mum and I in premium economy. So we had a little bit more space. Um, you just get that little extra bit of help from the air crew because um, you kind of just bumped up a little bit. And the seats are bigger. There's less people in that particular cabin area. And that worked really well because... Um, we ended up being in a row that had a bassinet in it, but we didn't use it because Joey was too heavy and by eight months he was crawling and moving a lot. Mm-hmm. So I just had him on my lap. He slept on me. He basically slept the whole flight on the way there because it was a night flight and I feed him to sleep. So he was just on me when he stirred a little bit. If he needed to nurse again, I just let him nurse. I just wore like a really big T-shirt with a singlet top underneath so, you know, I could rest as well um but that worked really well for us I knew that he would sleep better on me than he would in the bassinet so that was just the plan we made to um, either have the extra seat which we did we went to Hawaii when he was about 15 months and we just paid for the extra seat rather than having to do 11 hours with him in our laps and that worked really well as well because we could stretch out even if he was on us it meant we could play musical chairs a little bit and move around and he could be in different spots. I just And just the thing with the bassinet, um, something that I didn't know before we flew to Europe was as soon as the seatbelt sign goes on, you actually have to take your baby out of the bassinet. You're actually not allowed to leave them in there. Mm-hmm. And that ended up being quite disruptive because, you know, Sammy was happily sleeping and we actually got to have a little bit of sleep too, especially during the overnight stretch. But then as soon as the seatbelt light came on, the air hostess would come and wake us up and we'd have to actually take him out and oh. put him on us. So Never wake a sleeping make... baby. Don't they know, I know. that? <laughs> if you've got an under two-year-old, even if you book them a seat, they're still allowed to be on your lap. You get like this little um, infant or toddler seatbelt. It kind of clips into your seatbelt. And even though you have the extra seat, they don't have to sit in the seat for takeoff and landing. They can sit on you and you kind of put this little attachment seatbelt that links up to your seatbelt so they can be right right on your chest when they're littler or bigger which I think works really well for for under two-year-olds because it's not like you're an adult where you have to be in your seat they can still be on your lap when the seatbelt signs on so that's what Joey had the whole night he was asleep he just had this little baby seatbelt that was around his tummy that was attached to my seatbelt. Were you anxious about other passengers around you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, I think you're always going to be conscious of people around you and you're always going to feel a bit bad. I mean, I was that person. Like I remember before I had kids, I remember being annoyed when I was seated next to someone with kids. Um, and I was just thinking like, oh, here we go. You know, just basically being really like selfishly unsympathetic. Look, I think just acknowledging that and realizing that, okay, People are not going to be super stoked about this situation, but reassuring yourself that you have a right to be there and so does your baby and this is just the reality of flying and there are certainly things you can do to appease people around you, like even just a quick little acknowledgement and a quick conversation just to say like, sorry in advance if 
you know, it all hits the fan and your flight is ruined. (laughs) You know, I've heard of people like shouting the person next to them, like a glass of wine or something. But like, I think at the end of the day, it is what it is. People can be surprisingly understanding and helpful as well. Um, I remember the, the air hostess was walking past and I must have looked really tired and she just offered to take Sammy and just carry him up and down the aisle for me so I could just get like a half an hour break. So, you know, if help is offered to you, take it. As, as we always say, like just do what you need to do. And yeah, just acknowledge that it, it is difficult, especially when your baby's crying and out of control and you do feel bad. But at the same time, it is what it is. And, and lots of people have had that experience and you're not the only one. So people can be understanding and helpful too. What about takeoff and landing and equalizing their ears? I mean, I still have trouble with that. How do you help your little one? I think for us, that was the good thing about being able to have Joey on our lap. And I mean, you would have been able to have Sammy on your lap too. If you can nurse them or give them a bottle or give them a dummy, I think those things really help. I was really nervous because my sister used to get it really bad until she was like 10. She would just howl and scream and cry from the pain. And we traveled a lot because my mum and dad's family all live overseas. So I'd just be prepared to have something they can suck on, um, like a bottle or a dummy or your breast. And I think that goes a lot of the way to helping them soothe that discomfort. Get your boobs out. (laughs) (laughs) So in terms of prep for the flight, what sort of snacks or toys, what sort of things did you pack? I reckon if you pack in the right way, it can like make or break the smoothness of your <laughs> your journey. But it's hard because I think it takes you a couple of little trips at least before you do a big one. Or, you know, if you just go straight deep into the big one, then it's going to take you a couple of trips to figure it out. But um, I always have a little bag for Joey, which is like just his keep him entertained vital things. So little toys and snacks. So that that's just in its own little package. I got him like a cute backpack, even though he was only eight months old, because I was like, it's cute. <laughs> and, and I, I carry get... it around the airport. Yeah, that's right. Him. And it's going to be too small for me or I did actually put it on our back. So it's going to be quite <laughs> annoying to carry, <laughs> but it's really cute. So I would fill that with his favorite toys at the time. And then I'd also create some more little activities for him to do. If you just Google like, activities for x month old on a plane there's like so many mums who've just blitzed it and will have heaps of ideas things like wrapping toys in tin foil or using an old wipes box and you put cards and pom-poms and stuff so they can like post things in and out but like your kid will be different at different ages so you kind of can't keep the same activities in there I should probably just um, do that for being at home at the moment because yeah. <laughs> we're running out of ideas what to do with your child in quarantine yeah. aged two <laughs> but then I mean I set that up for when we went overseas and then we just keep that in the car so if we're going to a restaurant or you know going somewhere where I need Joey to be entertained or quiet for a bit we just pull the backpack out with us and it's full of toys that mm. we can play with on the go Um, And then we have like the nappy bag equivalent, which is all the stuff you kind of regularly need and know you're going to need. Nappies. (laughs) Yeah, plus extra. But then we always have like a, the backup bag. Like if stuff goes really downhill really quickly, we're going to need the changes of clothes and the extra nappies and all those sort of backup items. And we just put those in like a wheelie carry on so that 
if we don't need it, we don't even have to open it and we can just dump a whole bunch of bags on top of the wheelie bag and use it as like a trolley. I feel like a pack horse, but. Um. <laughs> One little tip that I heard somewhere was be the first people at the airport, but be the last to board the plane. And I guess what I mean by that is, I mean, it works well for us because I think if Matt could, he'd probably pitch a tent at the airport the night before the flight because <laughs> we don't want to be late with a flight. Um, but I think if you can kind of stay at the gate with your kid and then get your partner to get onto the plane and like bags all of the bag space and also just set up everything so that you're the last one onto the plane and you're there and everything's been set up as soon as you get on there, you're, this is particularly relevant for, I think, toddlers. And then you can kind of get on, it's all set up and then they can just sit down and there's their iPad and there's their snacks and it's all there for them ready. I think for us, like having little presents that we could wrap up for Sammy and bring out during the duration of the flight was helpful. So like so, new toys he'd never seen before? Yeah, new things. I just go to Kmart and I just get like a couple of Matchbox cars. I'd get, you know, a, a new sticker book, maybe one new um, little board book, little figurines, things like that that you can kind of just bring out and, yeah, use for bribery basically because, as I said, no rules on planes. <laughs> and that was that was that worked really well. And, and like I think if you could keep a few for when you also arrive at wherever you're going because when you get to where you're going you get to the hotel there's a bit of just kind of logistical stuff that you and your partner need to figure out and if you can keep your kid entertained with a few of those little things while you're checking in and then getting the room ready setting up the cot putting up the blackout blind like whatever you need to do at the hotel once you arrive but yeah the way to Sammy's heart is just through his stomach so we just we just come really prepared with snacks, like Ziploc bag, just full of cooked pasta and Cheerios and muesli bars, fruit, cheese, sandwiches, squeezy pouches. Basically 90% of our bag for Sammy was food. <laughs> Speaking of arrival, when you get there, do you sort of try and adjust straight to the time zone or do you keep with their routine? Like if they slept on the plane, they're now going to be awake for a few hours. How do you manage the transition? I think like with a newborn baby or even just like zero to six months, they're generally sleeping quite a lot anyway. So it kind of, it's a little bit easier to adjust them into that new, into that new time. Like we would always try to reset his body clock straight away. So whatever new time zone we were in. Um, so generally if we were to arrive somewhere with a completely different time zone, like Europe, <laughs> um, we'd try to get him in his normal sleep pattern. But instead of thinking, oh, it's this time in Australia, so he needs to sleep now, we just really try and push through and adapt to the new time. It does take a couple of days to adjust though and you need to sort of have that flexibility. You need to let them sleep if they're just completely exhausted. But if we can make those adjustments sooner so you can try and get outside as much as you can as soon as you arrive um like get that light kind of telling their bodies that it's day and exercise is really helpful particularly for toddlers oh, just go go with it as well like try and have that flexibility uh and knowing that they're going to be a little out of sorts for a few days but the flight over is definitely easier we found that coming back was a lot harder getting them to adjust back into the new 
Aussie times, that was a bit of a, a shocker. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, what, what's the difference? I think when you're traveling somewhere, you kind of, you arrived, your feet are on the ground, you're go, 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 you're excited. You just, you're, you're out and about, you're doing a lot um, in the day. So you're naturally trying to keep them up. And I think that's kind of your mindset. Whereas when you come back, you're just home. <laughs> you're just like, oh man, okay. I don't know exactly why it is like that, but we just, that's just been our experience that coming home has always been a bit trickier, getting them to get their bodies back into the right time. So I don't know, Lynn, what you found, but. Joey's a generally pretty bad sleeper. So <laughs> it's kind of like swings and roundabouts. He's <laughs> like, should he be a bad sleeper while we're on holidays or should we just be at home while he's a bad sleeper? And you're like, oh, let's go on holidays. Yeah. <laughs> so we were never too worried. I mean, we've also never done the, Europe time difference where it's like the day is night and the night is day. Even when we went to Hawaii, they're 20 hours behind, but that only ends up being four hour difference. So, you know, if you're nervous about time difference, you can pick awesome places to visit that don't have a crazy time difference Mm. and, you know, dip your toes in there. I have heard from some people that sometimes actually like the couple of hour difference is like almost not trickier because, you know, you're not up in the middle of the night necessarily, but like when we've gone to Singapore a couple of times, Joey's just up at 4am and you can't, it's harder to kind of shift that by just an hour or two. Mm. Whereas when you're going to somewhere like Europe, the day is night and you kind of, your body's not getting the input that it thinks it should be getting. So I think it almost clicks and figures it out faster than if you're just somewhere that's a little bit out. So, you know, you can keep that in mind as well. If you do want to travel and you're not set on a particular destination you can be thoughtful about where you choose and in europe they don't have lockdown hours you know so you can just take them to the pub or the beer halls and just transition there right like (laughs) (laughs) that's right at one in the morning just go and get a pint somewhere (laughs) (laughs) poor people who travel to sydney and they're like what the whole city's closed at 10 really just depends on what kind of holiday you want to have like yeah you don't want to be ruled by the clock you know you don't want to be stressing about it you know you're, you're away and you want to be enjoying the things to do there and you want to be out and about and seeing people so you don't want to be locked inside your room thinking like oh I've got to get my kid to adjust and to to be home for the naps and all that sort of thing I think like kids are resilient you know they can cope like I remember Sammy literally slept on the London tube and he just he just fell asleep and it was like the noisiest environment, the craziest, most stimulating environment. And he just fell asleep in the pram and we were just like, okay, and we just run with it. You know, you just, I think when you're traveling, it is helpful to have that mindset. Okay, there will be times when the child is completely overtired and having the biggest tantrum in the middle of the museum. <laughs> and you just have to... <laughs> bail and go okay we tried I get it I spent 45 minutes in the Louvre and I was over it as well okay yeah (laughs) Uh, you mentioned the pram let's talk baby gear for a moment is that what you'd recommend a pram a carrier Uh, did you take a travel card or just rely on hotels we would definitely take both a carrier and a pram I think they serve different purposes For us, the carrier is like amazing on the plane because it means that Adi and I can take turns walking up and down the aisles with Joey if he needs settling or that kind of thing. You basically, I mean, you can't use a pram on the plane. So if you want something that's going to help you have two hands on the plane, a carrier is the way to go. But then, yeah, we would take a 
a pram as well because sometimes you just want to be able to strap them in and not have to have the extra weight of them being on you definitely bring a pram one that's light and easily collapsible um you don't want to be lugging around a heavy pram especially in europe where you know a lot of cities are not pram friendly a lot of sidewalks are narrow and the streets are bumpy and all that kind of thing so you don't want a kind of big heavy thing if you're hopping in and out of taxis and trains and all that sort of stuff but the carrier is also really great when you're going for walks and hikes. So like Matt and I and Sammy, um, we spent a week in Switzerland and we would just pop Sammy in the carrier and he spent most of his time there uh, and we would, went for long walks. And um, and we also bought a portacot along with us too. So we have the Baby Bjorn portacot and that's really light and compact and we would just check that in, no extra charge. It also meant that Sammy became familiar with it. Like it is kind of nice to have that same bed, that same cot that they sleep in, that they're familiar with. It might just help them sleep better. Yeah. Was it relaxing? Like I'm just worried traveling with Banjo would be wasted on him and exhausting for us and just such a different experience to our adventures prior to kids, you know, being trapped in the hotel by 7 p.m., I don't know, it's not the holiday I have in mind, but also, you know, I think I once heard that you only get 18 summers with your kid. And so the other side of me is like, I want to give him all these cool experiences and I want to have that together. I don't know. Would you recommend traveling with a little one? I would definitely recommend traveling with a little one, but I think you have to be mindful about what sort of holiday you choose to do. You are like, a big backpacker and liked being in a different city every day, I would highly recommend not doing that sort of holiday. Like I think you've got to think about when you get somewhere, you have to set all your stuff up. So instead of doing shorter stints in places, I would recommend like staying in the same city for a longer period of time. And rather than just like doing the highlights, really getting into the culture of the city and kind of experiencing what everyday life might be rather than trying to tick all the tourist boxes or you know jam pack your days with lots of activities Hmm. I mean also for us a big thing and a reason to travel is just seeing friends and family so you know if you've got a reason to go somewhere you're going to enjoy it more with your kid as well if you've got other people to share it with because it's not going to be a holiday where it's just about seeing all the things and doing all the activities because you're going to be able to do much less than you would have pre-baby. Mm. And I think it just comes back to that expectations thing again where, you know, if you expect one thing and you get another, you're going to be disappointed. But if you have a realistic expectation of what your days are like at home and then transporting that day into a new setting, you're not going to be disappointed. You can have a great time. So, yeah, I think the slower holiday, the holiday where you're kind of living like a local rather than trying to be the tourist who's being really effective at seeing all the foreign things would be my recommendation. Or the resort holiday where they have yeah. the nannies. That mm. also sounds like <laughs> <laughs> <Old time> babysitters. <laughs> all right. But I think like I think um if you're constantly saying to yourself, or we don't get to do this anymore when we travel, then you're going to be in that negative kind of mindset. So if you remind yourself that you're evolved now into a new chapter of your life, you're creating new memories now with your baby. So enjoy being in a new place 
with your baby (laughs) and take lots of pictures and cherish those moments. But remember that, as you say, there's no such thing as holiday baby mode. Like (laughs) they're the same, they're the same baby and they're going to need the same things and we have to be there for them in that way. So, you know, altering your expectations, like I, I kind of feel like a trip with your baby is like this flashing neon reminder that things like sleep ins and late nights and going out and having cocktails, lazy long naps and going to the beach, they're not, they're probably not going to be things that you're going to be able to do, but you're not doing that anyway at home. <laughs> um, so just try and make the most of the days and then get home early. And especially if you're like, if you've got a baby and you're waking up in the night still and you're breastfeeding at night, just make the most of the daytime. Basically, if you're traveling with a young baby and yeah, you'll be more energized that way, I suppose. And I think your child, your baby, your toddler is like a member of your family. If you and your partner, husband, spouse were planning a holiday, you would never just plan a holiday that only thought about one of you. Like you would think about what you both like to do. And I think, you know, when you think about going on a holiday with your kids, you incorporate them into your planning and you think, what would they like to do? Where would they like to spend time you know, maybe it's not the museum, but maybe it's beautiful parks or something that I really like doing is like researching kids' playgrounds in different cities and just being like, oh, this would be a cool city to go to. Like it's got heaps of fun kids' playgrounds, which is like not something that Adi and I would ever visit a city for. But when you've got kids, you're like, they're an equal member of the family and they should have a fun time on a holiday as well. So I think factoring where your family is at, where your kids are at, what are they going to enjoy? It's going to be pretty similar to what they enjoy at home. But um, if you can be somewhere different, experiencing different things, but there's some familiar things that remind your kids of home or are just activities they're going to enjoy, make sure you factor them into your holiday planning mm-hmm. because if they really, really hate it, you're probably going to really, really hate it as well. Look, I, I think like particularly traveling with a baby, if, if A, I have my boobs we're fine. <laughs> Pack them, Ray. Pack them. <laughs> and I just think it rejigs your perspective on life. It just bookmarks these really great stages of your kid's life too. And it kind of reminds you that there is this whole world to enjoy together and your kid gets to enjoy it. Um, they might not remember it, but, you know, I just remember like when we went away for the first time, it was just the biggest rut breaker. Like I just felt like I was spending my whole day, every day, between the baby's room and the lounge room and I feel like that first trip and then those those trips following I just kind of changed that perspective of like there is a bigger world and there is more to life than the living room um, and get out there and like it just it builds your confidence and it, it just bookmarks those really just memorable times in your life that you'll look back and you're not going to regret it so I'm definitely definitely pro travel. Ladies thank you so much for joining me. I love the idea of introducing Banjo to more of God's creation. I'll admit I'm still more interested in driving holidays over flying ones for the foreseeable future. I like the idea of him being able to carry his own luggage and wipe his own bum, but um, (laughs) I hope you found that conversation helpful. If you have other tips, please continue the conversation on Facebook. Just search Mums Group Pod, which is short for podcast. Uh, But I don't know. It's made me more excited and more think. 
<laughs> daring because I still think <laughs> it all sounds very scary, but I um... you can do it. You love it. Imagine banjo in Norway. He'd have the best time. Imagine banjo in a snowsuit. Yeah, sleeping under the stars. He would look so, so cute, but I think I'd just quietly resent him that I can't just go snowboarding the whole trip because <laughs> he can't do that yet. Like. That's I, what partners are for. Tag uh, team. Tag team. Yeah, I think I'm way too <laughs> selfish to travel. Like, I love taking him to Tassie. But yeah, a trip where there's all those activities that I would usually do and can't do anymore. I think it just made me sad. There's always that time of life when we're going to be empty nesters and we're going to be able to have those holidays again. Exactly. That's true. <laughs> Probably won't be able to ski because my knees have arthritis, but you're right. <laughs> No, so good, so good, so helpful, guys. Thank you. Um, no worries, love. Until next time, bye. Bye. bye.